Forecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Welcome, Vault Dwellers, to another episode of the Fallout Lorecast. I'm happy to have you here for a very special episode. Uh, this is my little intro. I'm doing kind of a little uh, preface here to let you know that this episode is different than any of the other ones I've done so far because I have a very special guest, Duke from Out of the Vault, and the episode you're about to listen to, we are talking power armor. And originally we decided, hey, let's let's talk through some ideas about some of the things we want to discuss about power armor, but let's also go through kind of a a regular format and delve into some of the details about all the different power armor sets, et cetera. Uh, But we actually had so much fun talking about some of our ideas around power armor that we never quite got to the information. So we're going to hold that information hostage for now until a future episode where we'll delve into some more of the factual stuff about power armor. But I hope you enjoy the, you know, the fun conversation and it's a long, episode than I've ever done on this podcast. So I hope you enjoy the extended episode as well. As always, if you have any questions, uh, please reach out at fallout lorecast on Twitter or fallout lorecast at gmail.com. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. If you have any questions about Nuka world, I'd be delighted to answer them. Welcome to the latest edition of the fallout Lorecast. we're doing something a little bit different this time i have a guest with me uh duke from out of the vault how's it going duke it is going well it is a little bit later than i'm used to being awake but uh the chance to come on your show is worth staying up for for sure well that's good that's good you go to you go to bed a little bit earlier than i do i'm, 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 I'm an old man i I, <laughs> I, I, I I go to bed between 8 30 and 9 o'clock yeah so cool cool but, well, uh, welcome to the show. This is uh, what we're doing with this episode is it will be released on both um, our, you know, the Fallout Lorecast and on Out of the Vault. And so you can listen to it on either. And I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, I think that they do a lot of things that I don't do in my show very well. Um, why don't you go ahead and let the let my audience know uh, about your show and kind of what you're doing now and maybe how you how you started out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we are the Out of the Vault Show. Uh, it's outofthevaultshow.com or Out of Vault Show on Twitter and pretty much everywhere, Out of the Vault Show, Twitch, whatever. Basically, uh, we are, at least right now, up until this point, we've been an exclusively a Fallout 76 podcast. The um, impetus kind of for it was back right after the E3 announcement of Fallout 76, knowing it was going to be an online Fallout game and having grown up on Fallout, just the series in general, mm-hmm. it seemed like a really good opportunity to say, hey, there's going to be a community around this. Communities consume podcasts. This could be a really good idea. And then it went nowhere until about October, in early October, before the beta kind of came to fruition. And uh, Ariel and Daniel and I, some of my other co-hosts, got together and did some test recordings. And then we decided to do our first episode right at the wrap of beta and kick it off from there nice and nice. it's yeah where in comparison that i kind of make uh, i made earlier with you was that uh, if your show is 60 minutes we are the view <laughs> we're very much a we're very much a chat show uh it's news it's opinion it's a lot of banter very casual very light kind of just thoughts about the game what the updates are doing what the content is like 
uh, laughs and kind of antics and just kind of a lighthearted, positive take, kind of giving just a positive voice to the community for a game that has been pretty heavily maligned. Yeah. So yeah. And I think we, you and I both agree that the, having a positive take on this is, is very important because there is an audience and there are people who, who love these games, even if, you know, fallout 76 is stumbling a little bit, but yeah, and that it, doesn't mean that like, we don't, we can't be positive with each other, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, we're not there to say this game is amazing and it's perfect and Bethesda can do no wrong. It's like we point out things that are very, that are obviously wrong and we don't hold any punches when it comes to calling them out on things. But we love the game and we see a lot of great potential there and we know a lot of our listeners and followers do too. It's just taking the, I call it a Reddit mentality, which is not mm. the right thing, not the mm-hmm. right phrase for it, but it's that uh, group thought mentality of thing is bad. Everybody hog piles and just goes crazy on it when they haven't even played the game. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Or or yeah. play the game for two minutes and we're like, nope, this isn't what I wanted. And it's like, well, right. oh. you know, like if you <laughs> it's one of the analogies that I, I like to use for a lot of these kinds of things is just because something's called a pizza doesn't mean that it's the same thing as something else called a pizza. Right. Like absolutely. You order yes, a hungry yeah. Howie's pizza. And if you expect to get like fresh baked Italian from freaking Italy pizza, <laughs> it is not going to be the same thing, even though they're right. both called pizza. You know, I know that my nine year old niece might love the take and bake from Little Caesars. But if they, they took the family trip to Italy and she had a pizza in Italy, she would probably hate it. So right. Right. Exactly. Well, this isn't I mean, a pizza. Yeah. And you'd be like, no, this is a pizza. This is <laughs> like, actually what a pizza is. Yeah. Right. This, everything else is an, intim- an imitation of this, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, no, totally, exactly, and it's uh, you know we like I said we see a lot of potential in it, and although especially in our last episode we went into a little bit of how they every time there's been something that looks like it's going to be great, they seem to stumble a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's that sort of come on, guys, you can do this. Yeah, Bethesda, it's but but Bethesda games are buggy. It's a it's a long standing thing, but. We just we see that there's a lot that can be done there and they are making strides and mm-hmm. we're just passionate fans of the game and the Fallout universe in general. So right. we are planning on kind of going into some other Fallout stuff going forward. There's a lot of great mods for Fallout 4 that are kind of in the works, some really, really big stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, like uh, uh, the Miami one. Miami looks yeah. great. Yep. And then uh, Cascade. The full uh, title of it eludes me right now, but too, it's a kind of a mountain region set one that's being worked on as well. Uh-huh. And then the California one just came out not too long ago as well. So there's a lot of fallout stuff stuff. Yeah. 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 There and was a, a lot of, especially in, oh, sorry, go, go on. <laughs> sorry, you go ahead. I was just, okay. I was going to say, and then uh, especially on PC anyway, there's a lot of really, really great fallout inspired and fallout and kind of adjacent uh, games that are out and then coming out in the near future as well. Uh, Wasteland 3, mm-hmm. which is the way the original Wasteland is developed by some of the original developers of Fallout. Right, Obsidian. Uh, right. Exactly, yep. Uh, the, well, people from people the from company. People from Obsidian, yeah. Yep. And then, um, well, people from Interplay. Right, going right. Who back, back, created back, Obsidian. Back, and, yes. Back <laughs> to the 90s, <laughs> yeah. lineage, yeah. When I was graduating high school and going into college, um, then there's uh, well, some indie games that are out there that are coming out too off the top of my head. Uh, there's one called Entombed, which mm-hmm. it's it just it is so much Fallout, but it's in its a post-apocalyptic 
in the underground in sort of a vault city kind of a thing. And these kind of games that we think Fallout fans will definitely be interested in, but not, might not be aware of. Uh-huh. And kind of start talking about those and kind of give those a little bit of a radar or put put them on people's radar as well. So, oh, totally. That sounds that sounds awesome. I I don't think I've heard of Entombed. Entombed. Encased. 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 Not entombed. Okay. Encased. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, it's um, just go off a quick little tangent here. Uh, it's very followed esque kind of a thing. It's an underground sort of a dome city after some kind of apocalyptic event, mm. and there's different factions that have formed and little governments that have formed within this kind of encasement city under the ground. And it's isometric RPG, similar mm-hmm. to the old classic Fallout games. Yeah, has a lot of similar systems and a lot of similar tones and vibe to it. So we feel like you know these games are out there. People might not know about them. Let's give them a little bit of spotlight and talk about them and show them off a little bit. So stuff that we're looking at for doing for the future. But right now, uh, for anybody that isn't listening, that's a fan of your show, but isn't necessarily into Fallout 76, we're might not be quite your cup of tea just for the way we are right now. Right, so. right. But for the people who are, um, one of the things I really like about what you do on your show is the way you go through the patch notes and all the details and you kind of discuss each detail and have a conversation about it. Um, yeah. I find that very helpful because that's not something I can do as like a guy by myself with a microphone. You know, I, I like, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, so there was a, there was a brief period of time, uh, back in December. I'm sure you remember this where they did patches weekly mm-hmm. and we do our show every other week. So we, we were like, Oh man, we're they were doing these patches every week. Let's do a patch notes show. Right. So we thus became up with patch notes and, Two or three of us would just sit down, walk through the notes, talk about it, discuss, banter, etc. And it was great. People liked it, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And then New Year's came around, and weekly patches died for whatever reason. Even yeah. though they said that's what they were going to be doing, they didn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but then there was one episode where no one else could make it, and it was just me. And normally the patch notes show is about 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes if it's a particularly large patch. And that solo episode of Patch Notes for me, I think with the intro, <laughs> ran less than five minutes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, a, well, here's all the notes. I've got a few thoughts yeah, and now yeah. I'm done. <laughs> it's like, oh, they changed the thing. That looks nice anyway. Like, yeah. So talking to yourself, just saying, you know, when you're re- in a recorded medium, just doesn't play as well. So I know I totally get where you're coming from on that. Yeah. We still do to that patch note show. Uh, if it's a week where a patch comes out and a regular episode of our show is out, we work it into that show. Mm-hmm. But if it's an off week, then we release a patch notes show. So cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I'll go into, you brought up my show and some of what I do. I, I can explain a little bit of what I do for your audience, uh, who have, yeah, hasn't said, we, we have yet. been, talking about it i brought it up a couple times and then especially in our discord and then on our twitter and even on my twitch stream as well after i've mentioned oh wow you should really be if you're a fallout fan you should really be <laughs> listening to fallout lowercast because he is doing an excellent job of making they might when it comes to a show that's informational like this unless it's something that is for like the hyper fan that just I think of it in the, like it would be like the followed equivalent of like the most devoted hardcore Trekkie, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like who wants oh, to dig into the origins of the, you know, each of the races and all that stuff. Yeah, totally. Right, exactly. So, yeah. but there's, there's a lot of people that got into Fallout with Fallout 4 or, and I have even talked to some people in Fallout 76 was their first Fallout game. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you sweet summer child, you need to go back <laughs> and play some 4, play some 3, play New Vegas. Uh, but they want to know the stories. They want to know what's going on. They want to know who 
the Brotherhood of Steel are beyond what they're told in Fallout 76. And they're right. really curious about all these things. Right. But they don't want to listen to, they don't want to read the Fallout Bible. They don't want to listen to a lecture. Yeah, it's too much so work. You're, right. Exactly. And it's not interesting. Right. Your show taking the, putting the meat and potatoes of the content of the backstory in a very thought provoking kind of interesting way in a 20 minute format. Right. Is right. Perfect for exactly it's bite size. You can listen to an episode on your lunch break if you're driving to work. I when I like 15 minutes for me to get to the grocery store, I can start your show up right when I'm pulling into the parking lot. I can just kind of hang out, finish mm -hmm. it off, and I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. So that and, I, think and is, I, I purposely keep the first part of the show to that kind of 15 20 minute range. Yeah, um, I try not to go. I mean. As with any of this stuff, and I'm sure you you realize it too, you could just kind of go on and on and on and on. But it's like there's uh, this alarm yes. that goes off in my brain that's just like, okay, that's a, that's you've done enough. Yep. <laughs> like it's time that's, to that's good time to be done so with yeah, this one. That's really when you, your your skill level and your knowledge is, and your presentation aside, it's that our audience for our show, our show being a kind of a casual content show, even when we get into the patch notes, it's still very we're not digging into min maxing numbers and we're not looking at stats and all that we're just we're just yeah. talking about the patches and what impact it could have on the gameplay in the community right so with that audience being our audience and knowing our audience a little bit at least it's like hey you guys want to know some follow lore and you don't know it this is perfect if you want more than that here's the fallout bible yeah here's right. five different wikis right right Enjoy go, go, your time. Just so. Hide in the closet for three hours and, and come out. <laughs> exactly. Or go play all the games yourself and just make sure you read every single thing. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That's that's very high praise. Um, yeah, this, oh, this yeah. show is something I've been uh, throwing around for a while and I haven't really gone into the background of this for my audience. Um, so it might be kind of fun for them to hear. Uh, oh, yeah. I, you know, I have a background and I've, I always dabble in lots of different things. I've done lots of different things over the years for a few yeah, years back. Nice. I did a Dungeons and Dragons show with some friends. Um, and that ran an entire season. We kind of wrapped up that season and then decided yeah, actually one of the key members of the show decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So that kind of fell apart. Um, and uh, recently, about a year ago, I started a new job and kind of put some of my side projects on hold because I was like, I just want to focus on this on this job and really do a good job with that. And so it'd been about a year since I've kind of done anything on the side. And so I was getting that itch again. I was like, oh, I need to, I need mm -hmm. to be doing something fun. I know it well, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe I can get some friends together. We could talk about Fallout. I really love Fallout. I'm going to be playing the new game, same, similar to what you went through. Um, but I realized that like, Either they were very, very new to the series, so they didn't have a whole lot of background to pull on, or mm. the people who I thought would be really good on the show were just too busy with other things. I think this is one of those things you run into with human beings in general, is the ones who are the most interesting and the most talented are the ones who have the least amount of time. <laughs> so, I think that's probably, that's, that's probably a direct correlation between the two, I imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, well, it's well, hard to really get them to commit to something, you know? Oh yeah, with our show too. I mean, we we don't have much talent at all, but uh, being three adults with busy schedules, sure, just the coordination is it's tricky. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So this became a you know, well, I, let's see what can I do by myself. Well, what I can do is I can you know create kind of this conversation piece, and that's kind of the way I look at it. Is uh, there's 
people like to talk about these things. People like to go on Reddit and go on the the lore subreddit for Fallout and ask very mm-hmm. specific questions about things. And there are going to be a lot of new people jumping in for the first time. Uh, Fallout 76 wondering, you know, like when they get to the enclave part of the main story, like, why is this so sinister? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wh- what happened like, before this that made this look so dark? You know, do an entire episode just about everything that we learned about the enclave. Oh yeah, within Fallout seventy six exclusively because oh, the lore totally. just blew up within that game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I recently one of my recent episodes was about the Enclave, and I just I I had to like button it up, and I was like, it's yeah, just the origin. I, this I is was it. listening to that episode, and I was just like, when's he gonna get into? And he didn't. I was like, okay, I got it. Yeah, because there's yeah. a there's a whole other realm to talk about there. Yeah, yeah. There's so much, and there's so, and that's one of the difficulties with running this kind of show is that you have to pick and choose where the boundaries are around. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you frame your topic, and how do you kind of keep everything in one little spot? Because it's so easy to just rabbit trail, and you, you'll yeah. see me. You'll see, you'll catch me as I as I go on some of these things, and I'll just kind of like start down one of those rabbit trails, and I'll go. But that's a whole nother big thing. And we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> you know? We don't need to dive into that right now. Yeah, yeah that's going to that's that's another, you know, three hours of stuff that, you know, we've got our little 20 minute show. I'm going to stick with this one little thing. We'll get to that. There'll be time. Don't worry. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Well, that's the, with the nice thing with your format, though, too, is like uh, your Brotherhood of Steel episode. I just listened to that uh, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and again, much like the Enclave within the expanded lore of the Brotherhood of Steel from Fallout 76, there's enough content there and enough story and kind of character play where you could do a Brotherhood of Steel episode two. Oh, yeah. Where it's sort of, so you know about what happened with Mariposa and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But what happened in between here and here? Right. And right. here's the people, here's the specific players involved. And it's still not too deep divey, but if people really are interested in the Brotherhood of Steel, it just flushes that out so much more. Much like the Enclave, you sure. can do you can always do a part two and not have it be a weird thing. So Yeah, and I, I can think of like a dozen different ways to, you know, here's here's what the Brotherhood was doing at this time period, you know, twenty mm-hmm. some years after the war. Here's what the Brotherhood was doing during the time period of Fallout One. And on the other coast, you know, here's what the Brotherhood was doing in Fallout 3 and how that was different, you know, and who who was in charge and what what decisions they were making. You know, there's there's so many ways you can just kind of divide that up. The long, long running Max and family line. Yes. Oh, yeah. Totally. Well, that's kind of you were talking about. I mentioned briefly at the beginning of the show how our beginning of our little interview here, uh, we were probably about a month ago at this point, maybe. I kicked out on Twitter that, hey, we're working on a lore show. Mm-hmm. And you said, hey, if you guys are doing a lore show, let's talk. Yeah. I was and like, hey, that, that, that's, that's why thing. we're here that's, now. Finally. Yeah, sure. And our, um, the, what I wanted to do with lore is you're already doing your show and there, it's exactly what your show needs to be. It's perfect for that. And I didn't want to just do another version of what you're doing because that's dumb. Right. Was, right. Well, that space like, is why? already taken. So somebody's already got a really, really round wheel. I can't really make it any roundier. So I want to do something a little more different. So I thought, let's do a timeline run. Let's start at the beginning. So now I wanted to say, hey, let's do a timeline run. You know, let's let's have a start to this series and an end to this series. And we're going to work the timeline, major events, major players, do some key episodes about really important individual things, but really just give people that are interested in the lore a start to finish. 
Mm -hmm. Here's what happened. And then kind of within the mental space of like, we'll talk about the Brotherhood of Steel, obviously, and their importance in many, many, many different points along that timeline. But we're not necessarily going into the depth that you go into and the kind of thought-provoking nature of your show. So if they wake up, we want to know more. I can be like, well, Fallen Orcast has this great episode about the Brotherhood of Steel. If you really want to get more into that, go check him out. And you can't talk about the follow-up timeline without bringing up the Enclave, Brotherhood of Steel, etc. Oh, yeah, totally. We're not going to have those single focus as much. We just want to give people a multi-part... Yeah, chronological history of... of Yeah, I'm rambling. But yeah, chronological history, exactly. You know, getting into it enough, but not so much that it is a uh, 25-hour long commitment to their time, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes it's a lot difficult. of difficult. It's extremely difficult. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> well, coming up with coming up with topics and things, and um, even just the, the whole focus of a show is is that's tricky. The, you know, it, that's the trick. Is the focus of a of a chronological show is especially with the early part of the follow timeline. It's weird. So yeah. it's, it's it's hard to dance around and make it coherent. So we're working on it though. Cool. Well, why don't we move into some of the meat of what we're going to be talking about on this episode. Yeah, um, what we're actually here for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you for the, for the download and everything. I was all very, very interesting. Um, yeah, careful. I'm, you have to be careful with me about that because I will go crazy. So <laughs> if I get off on a tangent and you need me to stop, just be like Duke rein it in a little bit. We can always edit the extra material and put it as like a, you know, bonus at the end. <laughs> you know, like, he hears where Duke wouldn't shut up for 25 minutes about the helmet of the T60. Right. Here's this 20 minute monologue. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we both have some, have some interesting thoughts about power armor. You had uh, an interesting take on the, uh, the powering of the suits and the technological advances that the United States made in order to power the suits. Um, yeah. Can you explain what you were what you were explaining to me earlier about that. Absolutely. So when we when we were emailing back and forth, and you said, "Hey, what should we do? When you do have any ideas of what you want to do the show on?" Just kind of thought about it and thought about it, and I was like, "What better thing? What's so? What's more Fallout than anything else? Power armor. Yeah. The helmet is iconic. The profile of any one of the suits is iconic, and." any fan of the fallout series is going to see that and just think bam that's that's fallout and then they know it and it's been a highlight of every single one of the games from the original fallout right up through you know 76 now too oh yeah and it, and on the game art and like the covers of the, the cover art the games right, and exactly. all that stuff it's that's kind of the predominant look right so it's like of course let's talk about power armor and people either love it or they hate it. It seems to be a very people that want to play it and they want to use it when they play the games uh-huh. or they want nothing to do with it at all. So which are you? Uh, I, it's funny because in Fallout 76, I had to force myself to create a new character and start from scratch, which I just did this morning uh-huh. to get away from power armor. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I did see, I, am, I did see some of your posts about this. So you yeah, and I are opposites because um, yeah, because I, I always build my character as not needing power armor, being very stealthy and sneaky rather than, you know, clomping through everything and tearing everything down, which is funny because my wife loves these games, too. And she's a petite woman. And the joke is that whenever she plays a game, she is like the biggest, smashiest warrior <laughs> will ever and She's, she's be. the berserker or the paladin in there doing it. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to run in the power armor and just 
plump things over the head until they die while I'm going to like <laughs> hide in the shadows and snipe their heads off, you know? Yeah. You're 300 yards away in a bush somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, what's funny then is Fallout 4 though, I had never, and all the times I played Fallout 4 for all the complete playthroughs I did in different mods and edits and things like that, I never played a power armor heavy character. Yeah, I didn't either. 4. Yeah, I, I avoided it too. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. So, but you switched and, for Fallout 76. Yeah. And there was a point, I think, not getting too deep diving the 76 specifically, but when I got the, the quest to make the excavator armor, and I was like, well, I'm going to make this. I'm just going to get it because I want the quest XP pretty much more than anything else. Sure. And I found, I found this, the lore because it was a new set of power armor that hadn't existed in any other fallouts yet. Mm-hmm. So I was curious about it too. Like, what are they doing with this? Okay. And then from that point on, I was like, this increases my carry weight. I can carry being somebody who's a huge scavenger. I'm like, I can carry so many more desk fans and typewriters now. Yeah. Right. And I kind of got hooked on at that point. Sure. Right. So so yeah, just this morning, it was like, I have a character that's a level 127. I've got all the mods in my power armor. I've got two different sets with jetpacks and all the shocks and the things. Yeah. I want to make a sniper character, no power armor, None of that. So I had to force myself to step away from it. So, but within the series as a whole, I never was really attracted to it. The, it's, the design is fantastic. And I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And the kind of, um, a point that you're, I'm quite sure you're going to go into about the role of power armor, emulating a sort of Arthurian knights kind of mm-hmm. yeah. suit of armor. It's of course, it's fascinating, but I never liked to play it very much. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm of, of the same, uh, originally of, of the same mindset. I've now, I have played more power armor in fault 76, almost because it's necessary to tank the damage of certain types of enemies. Yeah. Radiation um, and stuff. You really need it. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise I, I will put it away and just, you know, sneak around and then pull it yeah. out only when I need it. Um, so let's, let's go into the, uh, the powering of the power armor. Yes. the original, the, the, the impetus for this conversation. So yeah, you would been thinking about what makes power armor interesting. Of course, it's the iconography and it's big metal suits and it's cool and it's human tanks, you know? Right. But the thing that I think is one of the things I think is really, really fascinating about power armor from a lower standpoint is that when power armor was being developed in the mid 2060, I think 2065, the US government said, we need mechanized infantry. We need human tanks, basically. Mm-hmm. So research goes out and their various research firms come up with various prototypes and many of them fail completely. And, but through all these prototypes, a lot of material science, robotics, advancements were made mm-hmm. and especially with the nuclear fusion technology right in 2066 the first microfusion cell is spun off into civilian technologies so in the the world at this point has been the middle east and europe are destroyed They've nuked themselves to high heaven because of the resource wars. They <laughs> right. don't have any oil. Right. Everything is so the world is falling apart because there's not enough oil to go around. Right. United States and Mexico and basically everybody needs oil. And suddenly, because of this weapon of development of this weapon of war, the United States doesn't have a power need anymore. Yep. But 
They've already got the Chinese threat. They've already done their business in Mexico. They've already got a lot of civil unrest within the country. But suddenly this one thing that is literally tearing the complete world apart just kind of goes away. And But it's like things are too far gone. Yeah. What's the analogy? That, yeah. I, you know, I, if I, I'm sure if I had thought about it for a couple of minutes before we started, I could come up with a really, really good one, but yeah, the boulder's was, already running down the hill. You can't actually stop it at that it, point. Exactly. Yeah. You can't throw a battery underneath the boulder to stop it. And, but if it had just a little more time, because the first uh, T-45D power armor is deployed into Alaska in 2067. And I mean, China, Alaska are already at war at this point. Right. The, 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 this, these, this power solution, we've got robots now, automobile industry booms again, robotics goes in a boom. There's literally a kind of a micro renaissance of culture mm -hmm. because suddenly there's an excess of power almost, but it's already too late. And if it had just been, you think about what, well, we know the fallout universe is and what everything, how everything goes. If there was maybe another year or two before the bombs dropped, maybe if the power cells had gotten them overseas, gotten in China, had actually been able to get their hands on those. Yeah, if they like cells. back engineered it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. their power needs disappeared. Would there still be the conflict? Or if in, instead of, you know, with China already fighting, you know, in Alaska, if we had said instead of sending troops in, we had said, hey, we know that you're here for oil. Here's what we've got instead and share that technology with them. Right. Or even sell it to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, okay, like, hey, hey, let, let's work out a deal. We, let's we'd, we'd rather not go to war. We've got what you need. Let's just yeah. work out a marketing solution, <laughs> you know, to give like, us Alaska back. And <laughs> right. Here's yeah. this technology. You guys go back to that other continent over there. Leave our continent alone. We'll sell you what you need. You know, and everything will be fine. Yeah. 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 yeah that's well, interesting. The, and it's funny too, because the, with that development of that, then the D45D power armor comes out. And you think of power armor in the Fallout games, especially people that are really familiar with the more recent games more than the older games. The T45 is kind of low on your preference list. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not as new. It's not as cool. It's kind of older. It looks a it, little clunkier. Yeah. It even looks more basic and kind of janky, kind of a. Yeah you know, piece together. They'd be kind of piecemeal, right? Well, we think about when, when they do, when they deploy T-45 into Alaska, the single soldiers wearing power armor are able to reclaim entire cities against Chinese infantry and Chinese battalions. They, the weapon, the ballistic weapons at the time were very comparable to what we use, what we use now. And you suddenly have these suits of armor that can take missiles. Yeah, that are and just impervious deflect, to it. Yeah. Deflect bullets so they can send one soldier into a town in Alaska and reclaim the entire city. And China is freaked out. Yeah, it's basically like do. all of a sudden you got an army of Iron Man. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very much so. And then, you know, going down the line with the development, we get so gusto about how good these things are. We decide to invade China mm -hmm. with a massive failure, a ridiculously epic failure. But that's how much of a change in the war it was too. Like again and again, that whole idea of if things had just gone a little bit differently, the world wouldn't have ended right? or ended as much as it did. Right. 
Yeah. And one of the things you you and I talked about earlier is how oftentimes the technology, the technological advances that come about through wartime are beneficial to society afterwards. But in each of those situations, there's a world that exists after the <laughs> society end of the war. survives after the war. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And in this case that didn't happen. Didn't quite you know, work out that and, way. Yeah. You know, and I go to it in one of the earlier episodes, but the whole mystery of like who launched the first nukes, was it really the Chinese? Was it somebody else? And I'm sure the writers in the games leave that purposely vague. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like that, that one individual who probably could have stopped that from happening may have been able to save the world. And the world may have been able to bounce back from the brink. If, I think, yeah, I, you know, if they just use the technology that was already there. Yeah. Is that once that was a matter of two hours, I believe in the, in the lower that once the first one flies, it's yes, it was yeah, two hours. Is, everything's over. So yeah. when the, um, that was a whole other episode and in going into the, what little bit we know about the middle East and Europe too, but Mm-hmm. They were already kind of done for over there. So right, getting right. back onto power armor though. Yeah. That's my <laughs> big thing is the, not only the iconography and how cool power armor is, but how deep it is in the, in the lore from a very early on standpoint of mm-hmm. it had a lot of implications for everything else that's in the fallout games beyond being a military weapon and beyond the brotherhood of steel. But literally the development of it is what led to Mr. Handy robots. And the fusion flea and all the fusion powered cars and all of that. So it has its roots really, 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 really deep in the lore. And that's really what I find fascinating about it. So, yeah, that's very cool. And then it connects to all those other things like the Mr. Handy robot that we also find as iconic about about this world. Yeah. 20 minute answer to a five second question. So no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I told you that's that's kind of how I am. So yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the brotherhood of steel and the knights and that kind of thing. That was, this was kind of the main point I wanted to discuss. Um, and you know, you can take this lore, you can take this world and kind of look at it from all sorts of different angles. And one of the angles I like to take a look at it from is from the standpoint of, uh, I guess you could say more like a literature, like a literary um, cri- critique kind of angle. And if you if you consider the development of video games and the building of fantasy worlds in that realm of like literary critique, then you have uh, the kinds of games that were being built in the 90s. And very much you had the, the role-playing game was derived from Dungeons and Dragons and you had orcs and humans, or you had medieval setting with knights and, and those kinds of things, right? That's, that's where you started. And then you had games like Baldur's Gate and you know, some of the other big RPGs that were coming out that were doing well. Uh, and then you have the development of this game, which was a risk because it was a setting that had never been seen before. Uh, post-apocalyptic stuff, I mean, really hits its stride, I don't know. Uh, probably five years after five, 10 years after the, the first fallout game comes out in literature. Yeah, well, if you, in, within the, oh, you think about within pop culture too. Yeah. In fallout, the original fallout game came out. I'm pretty sure on my dates here and I'm, you can fact check on me this when you're editing it, but I believe the first matrix movie came out the year, maybe a year and some change after the original fallout came out. Yeah. It was like 97, 98, 98. And then the matrix came out in 99. Mm -hmm. And so for like that whole, like that movie was what was cool pop culture wise at the time. 
Right. And that's what right. video this games This idea of like what happens after society falls apart. And that sort of, you know, there has been some stuff earlier on in that with uh, William Gibson and... Or even the Terminator the movies. Yeah, like there's, Ooh, yeah. there's yeah. always some of that, but it really, that post, I mean, even uh, from a pop perspective, the, uh, the literature, like the whole teen uh, literature thing with like the Hunger Games and um, those titles... That were yeah, this that, kind of post-apocalyptic, but different perspective. Different, like all yeah, of that, that kick, stuff kicked off later. Yeah, yeah, they all that all that stuff rolls out in the next like ten years or so after Fallout. So, so going back to Fallout, the, the the idea is that like it was kind of a risk to do something in this world that or in in the in the realm of video games that wasn't Dungeons and Dragons, you know, medieval world or uh, Space Marines. Those were the, those mm. are the two or, or killing Nazis. Like those yeah, are, those are the three realms. And if you're outside Nazis of those three realms, popular, you know, yeah. it's a risk. Well, um, and just to, for a pop culture reference for the time, cause we're, we're pretty similar age. Even the, um, shadow run series, there were the role-playing game, the tabletop game mm-hmm. yeah. was, was around at that point, but they didn't have any shadow run games. I think there was one on super Nintendo that came out in the mid nineties but I don't think they even Shadowrun had breached into PC and kind of more kind of hardcore gaming. Yeah, no, that I may be wrong yeah. on that, but I don't I don't remember that at all. So, yeah, you, it was really relegated to a very niche, niche sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So going from that perspective, it makes sense that they're going to use some sort of template that is familiar and tweak the template for the new the new world, the new thing they're creating. So this idea of, okay, we're taking a medieval setting or, or even you know, the space Marine setting. What is, what's the commonality between the two soldiers, warfare, that kind of stuff. What do the soldiers wear? Well, knights wear armor, space Marines wear armor there. We need to have some sort of iconic armor. We need to have a society with some sort of group of knights and some sort of social structure that we can play off of that wear armor. It just makes sense, right? Like it, it, you kind of deconstruct it from the, you know, looking back, which is of course, you know, easier to see than looking forward. But uh, <laughs> you can, mm-hmm. you can see that like the, the fundamental pieces of that were all there for the creators to kind of draw from and to plug into this world um, as just kind of like sources of, you know, uh, inspiration, I guess you could say. Um, oh, totally. And in, in the earlier Fallout games too, the, you didn't, there weren't different types of power armor. There right. was power armor. That's what they wore. It wasn't until later that it became the different models and the various offshoots and the kind of one-off models and all of that. So you, it's exactly right. It was knights. This is their armor. Right. Right. Iconography. There you go. Yeah. And when you come across the knights, holy crap, there's that yeah. moment of like, I'm, everyone else I'm interacting with is like humans or, you know, robots or mutants or whatever. But the dude I just saw is huge and in some sort of metal suit, you know, like and most people don't like them very much. Right. And it's like <laughs> ominous. And even just the way the masks are built, it's very, it's all kind of Darth Vader esque yep. in a way, you know, um, each of the masks has their own like intensity. I mean, even, even something like the advanced power armor, and I believe it's that's the mask that's on Fallout One, or is that Fallout Two's cover? Uh, that's uh, fine. the Fallout Two you're thinking of. Fallout with Two the, with the gold eyes and yes. like the beak. Yeah, mm-hmm. like all of that is just like intimidating. And 
there's there's something like the regular fall the regular power armors the like 45s 51s 60s all have that kind of darth vader skeletal kind of quality when looked at from a distance mm-hmm. um but the like the x01 the advanced power you know mark 1 mark 2 have more of this like uh, bestial quality. They they look like birds yeah. or cats or yeah. The XO one and the XO two. I always think of um, a wasp. Mm-hmm. Like okay, yeah. The ang- angular face and the very oval kind of alien eyes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There's something that's even more less human, you know, about mm-hmm. those. Um, so I, I find that interesting too. Uh, that which is evolves if, into those different variations. Continuing on to your armor parallel, though, too, when that was a very common thing, at least in the Renaissance period, within armor, when it was more of a, it was a fashion. It was it was meant for combat, but it was also uh-huh. meant to be very fashionable. Right. You would see those sorts of things done with the armor to make the person appear more ethereal or more godlike or beastial, if you will. Sure. Or they would. The, the plumage on the helmets that you saw in France up until you know, World War II, even they still had that, and the, the the boots and the way their shoulders were shaped, that that a lot of that same inspiration is there of the classic armor that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where it's it's iconic, but it's also meant to make them look like more than just men in suits. They are when they put that armor on, they become something more, and that carries through in the design more than just it's a metal box that they walk around in. Right. Right. And one of the, one of the big um, things about warfare is intimidating the enemy. Uh, I guess if you go to back to like Sun Tzu's art of war and all that kind of things, like uh, an army that never makes it to the field, (laughs) that never makes it to combat will never win. So this idea of you, you put it, you intimidate the enemy into giving up or losing or, or just not having the will to fight is the easiest way to win a conflict. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine like I, so some of my background, I jumped into fallout in fallout three. So I hadn't played fallout one, fallout two tactics, any of the other ones. Fallout three was my first big opening into the series. I, I was busy doing other things back when those other ones came out. Um, and I didn't know about power armor. I didn't know about the history of this world. So every time I learned anything about like the ghouls or the brotherhood or any of that stuff, it was all very new and like, Oh wow, this is really cool. And you know, little, little, I remember just noticing things like, wait a minute, the ghouls are like really old, (laughs) you know, like the the intelligent ones, not the feral ones. And like, did, have they been around since before the bombs went off? Is that possible? You know, like these kinds of mm-hmm. questions started coming to mind, but I remember specifically running into, um, Oh, what's the, it's the faction that, uh, isn't part of the main brotherhood. The, um, oh. uh, the separatist group, the, uh, yes. I, what, I forget what the official name was. Um, this is me without my uh, research papers in front of me, everybody. Uh, so <laughs> there's and so I'm, many I'm names just, to I'm remember. tired, so I'm not, it's not coming to mind right now, but I, yeah. I have a wiki that could probably tell me that in a couple of seconds. Sure, sure. But you carry on. Well, it I doesn't, it doesn't really matter too much. But um, that was the first time I ran into anybody in power armor. There was like a group of three of them, I think, walking around. Uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, randomly through the environment and, uh, you know, in some of the rubble of the city. And I remember coming up on them and seeing them walk towards me and thinking like, what the heck is that? Because <laughs> like, I hadn't seen anything like that before and automatically assume that they're going to be, uh, you know, threatening and violent and, and attacking on site and snuck around them initially and then snuck up close to them and realized that 
they, they were not necessarily an enemy. And I was like, huh, these guys look badass, <laughs> you know, but they're mm. not necessarily bad guys right away. Okay. What's going on with that? And that was my first intro into power armor in general. Just like that, that, that ominous feeling of like, yeah, I don't want to mess with those guys. Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from robots radio with me, your host robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world characters and story of cyberpunk. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Like who would who would mess with them? <laughs> yeah, Ellen's you're talking about two, even even going from three to where we are now in seventy six, but really the difference between three and four with New Vegas there in the middle, mm-hmm. the tone of the Brotherhood that changed so much as a storytelling device too especially going from the earlier games but i like especially in four I, the parallels to them you know, it's, it's always been their ideology that it's pr- preservation of technology and right. you know they're they're very much against it in four they're they're very much against synths but i almost feel like in, they drum up the we're technocratic future nazis element of mm-hmm. the brotherhood and fallout four at least that's the spin i took on it yeah yeah that's very much how i felt about them in fallout four and, and part of why i didn't side with them um, <laughs> yeah, i was always kind of kill on sight to them because of my actions towards them but in <laughs> right. earlier games it's not it's not quite as heavy-handed as that so just an interesting just thing i thought of there so yeah yeah and you know that's something that's crossed my mind too and i think is actually going back to the standpoint of like the writers is a very bold move to take the organization from three that basically play the heroes mm-hmm. to, um, or at least, you know, cooperate with you as the hero to, uh, being these like techno Nazis, techno Nazis uh, that have a, a flying <laughs> ship and they just, they just show up wherever they want to show up and then just killing everything. Yeah. Flying doom ship. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah airship. It, yeah. It's interesting. And, and, and I think that plays to uh, one of these bigger conversations we can have about humanity. Uh, but it's one of those things I notice, And, and I think this relates back to even game developers that we, this is a, I was a philosophy major in college. And so I, I play with ideas in my head all the time, even when I don't even realize I'm doing it. And then I noticed similarities and patterns. Uh, One of the things that I think we're going through, one of the issues we're going through in our modern society right now is that as human beings, we, uh, and I don't know if I have all the right words to describe this yet, but we, we do this thing where we're used to dealing with individuals. And when we deal with a group, we treat them along the same lines we would an individual as if they are mm-hmm. of one mind and one set of decisions and they stand for one thing. And you can't do that. Well, like, so for example, a game developer is made up of a marketing department and the financial group that runs it and investors and developers and game designers and all these different groups. And to say that like, Oh, that bag issue with fallout 76 means that <laughs> they're no longer the company that we, we love and we believe in. No, that bag issue means that the marketing and financial department of Fallout of Bethesda is doing some things that are anti-consumer. 
That's what that means. It's very specific. Mm -hmm. Those individuals, not even those departments, the individuals who made that decision are doing something very anti-consumer that says Mm. nothing about the development team. It says nothing about the game designers. None of that stuff. Those this is the kind of stuff we go into on our show. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the the negativity there. No, I think uh, it's it's what I call a being a child of the '80s. It's a GI Joe to Cobra mentality, right? Yeah, we everything's have black and white. Everything's yep. one or the other, and and it's just not that way. Things are more nuanced than that. And when it comes to an organization like the Brotherhood, uh, the leadership of the Brotherhood in Fallout Three is different. There are different individuals making different decisions than the leadership of the follow of the brotherhood in fallout four different people, mm-hmm. different time, different place. Um, so to say that the brotherhood is good or bad or is, you know, good or evil is it's too whitewashed. It's not individuals are make good decisions and make bad decisions, but an organization mm-hmm. itself, unless it's ideology Just- shifts and then everyone agrees to that ideology, you could say the ideology is, is a moral or a moral ideology right but you can't you can't say they're necessarily bad even and this is one of the things i tried to get to with the enclave like the the idea of the enclave early on uh, if you look at it from their perspective if you really do have the world view that everyone else has been infected and you are the only pure humans left and it's important to maintain pure humans and get rid of the potential for infection then it makes sense that you would want to basically cleanse the earth of any other threat to that pure gene pool. It makes sense. Now it's all about perception and your, your, your standpoint on it. Yeah. Right. Right. And the things you believe, if you, if you don't believe that those people are people anymore, then that makes sense. Uh, Or if you have a different kind of mission. Um, But that doesn't mean it's necessarily good. (laughs) It just means that it's justified. Using that, yeah, using that as a, um, as an example, the very, uh, the very, very easy devil's advocate uh, side of that would be there were people within the Nazi party who very much believed their mission was the pure good thing to do for the good of the future of their people. But, you know, so... But there's also the parallel, like you said, though, too, to saying the Brotherhood is good or evil. Not everybody that was in the Nazi party was necessarily an evil human being. I have relatives. Oh, sure. On yeah. Both sides of my family that were technically Nazis. They're not bad people. They weren't killing people wanton left and right, wreaking havoc. They were fighting to defend their families against Russians. Right. So yeah. There's their reason for war is different. Depending there's on a lot of the, yeah, there's a lot in. of nuances and things that go on there. So, right. Yeah. Especially when an organization like the Brotherhood of Steel exists for well over 200 years. Yes. Things change hands. Leadership changes hands. The mission changes. The location changes. So they're not bad guys or good guys. It just happens to be where they are at the time and who's calling the shots. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. I, I think we don't, we don't take enough time to, to admit that there is nuance. It's so easy to just whitewash things. And I think it's just a basic human, uh, you know, it's, it's an evolutionary advantage because if we, if we always think the worst and if we always make black and white decisions, then we're more likely to get ourselves out of, out of trouble rather than sit there and ponder <laughs> like, is this a good tiger or a bad tiger? <laughs> bad tiger. You know, no, you're yeah. eating, you're dead, right? Like it makes sense. But in the modern world, things are different. And we, some of us have the time to actually, you know, throughout our lives, really dig into the, the nuance of things and, and try to understand the way things really are. Yeah, we think, have those opportunities to ponder the tiger. Yes. But 
exactly. The, uh, then speaking about it though, in a um, in an entertainment format though, too, being a video game or a movie. Are probably less in literature because there is more of a time to really get into the depth of the characters that you can't necessarily in a 90 minute movie the you know you almost need to have that easily translatable black and white mm-hmm. you have right. to have a bad guy who's a bad guy and you have to have a good guy who's a good guy and they might have a shade of gray in there somewhere but you can't have people questioning your is he really that bad of a guy when the hero goes to kill him? Right. Because people won't be entertained by that. And right. the same thing kind of happens within the games to a point, too. They need to have a little bit of a nail on the head, but still give the player that choose your own adventure, make your own mind about this, but sort of steer him a little bit. At least that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's so much more we can go into all that. Um, we're talking about power armor, right? That's kind of what yeah, I'm right? we started with power armor. about. This is what, this is what I thought t- might happen. Um, you can't talk about brotherhood to power armor without talking about the brotherhood of steel because they, they are, yeah, they are power armor. Yeah. yeah they're sense, kind of defined so. by it and with it and are connected at the hip. Like yep. physically, <laughs> like <laughs> quite quite literally, literally and well, physically. You know, speaking of, you know, I could go into a whole thing about some of the early designs of power armor and how the pilots in these suits, if you want to call them pilots, were literally sealed inside of these these suits of armor. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a waste recycling systems in them, and they didn't have a lot of the comforts that they have in the future in the future models. And it's one of those, I love war documentaries and things that give you a very, very raw perspective on what it was really like to be in some of these horrible, horrible scenarios. Yeah, me too. So if you think about someone that gets put into the front line against China in Alaska in one of the earliest models of functional power armor, and they are dumped alone Mm -hmm. into a city where they are literally having missiles fired at them and there's an entire you know section of this chinese army that is trying to kill one individual and you are locked in this highly advanced yet metal container and you're sweating you're covered in your own feces and urine you (laughs) are only it's the idea of the if anybody knows anything about um ancient warfare especially within the roman within roman warfare and in a lot of those writings they write about how people got so scared they would defecate themselves because of out of fright and that's a very normal human thing to do we just think it's kind of weird yeah but it yeah. happens uh, animals all sorts of animals do that yeah exactly so you think about you, you think about the position of this one person that's one of the first people to put on one of these suits and really take it into combat and how incredibly horrible that must have <laughs> been like that is just gross you know yeah, it's yeah. like but at the same time you are a walking god at the time that's so, so, so a really cool mental place to think of like what did that person feel like when they got dropped in they're horrible they're disgusting and then they kind of get the feel for like what these things are really capable of and what that did to a person's mind to like come out of that encounter and come out of that uh that battle like, yeah that's that's a really interesting perspective you kind of think about that it's, it's the kind of things that i put my like when I think about the early development of the power armor and that parts of the war and that sort of mental, the human element of it, it's like that had to be a thing, you know, like the first person that went into space yeah, and the first person to break the sound barrier, Chuck Yeager, 
the first guy to put on power armor in combat, that must have been a hell of a thing. Yeah, I can imagine that there's this like interesting uh, contrast, this combination of being both alone and vulnerable and invulnerable and powerful all at the same time. That feeling of like, you know, that, that, that feeling of like, especially when you talk about like defecating in the suit and walking around in your own urine mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. This idea of like, I am very uncomfortable. I am, uh, I am in a situation. It's, it's dehumanizing. Right. Where I'm surrounded by the enemy. I'm alone. And I've basically been thrown back into the part of my brain that I dealt with as an infant right where i'm like dealing with being in a new environment i'm defecate on myself mm. and and then yet for the most part i'm invulnerable and i'm realizing that i have these powers and abilities that i never had before it's this i'm sure it just opens uh psychologically it just kind of opens you up for some potential significant change yeah, I'm think. sure those people were really messed up afterwards, but yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. that, you know, taking that first missile to the chest and realizing that you're okay. And maybe right. you did some testing and some training on it, but when you're in the heat of the moment and you realize that, Hey, this is actually working. That must've been a hell of a rush, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Really. That's a really cool perspective. Yeah. And you know, from the show that I like to, uh, put the viewers in a viewers, the listeners in a uh, situation where they, imagine being in a certain place at a certain time. So I think that's a really, really cool, cool one. And you know, uh, what I like to do with the show normally is, uh, leave people with a question and we're at almost an hour now in our conversation. So why don't we, (laughs) yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's cool. Um, but why don't we leave everybody with a question and then some information on how to get a hold of you or how to get a hold of me and kind of follow up with us. So to kind of close out the episode, uh, the question that I'd like to pose for the audience is putting yourself in the place of a soldier in power armor one of the first soldiers in power armor. If you were in that situation, how would you feel like you would handle it? Are you the kind of person who would, uh, let's, let's paint it even more clearly. And then you, you can help me out with this Duke if you want, but yeah. I, I like this. I like the view of you are an individual soldier dropped into a city and in front of you is an entire Chinese army. And you have been dropped into this city and your mission is reclaim this city and there's a battalion of tanks and infantry and whatever else that they have there who want to do nothing but kill you right and you've got your t-45 you've got your laser weapons you've got whatever whatever you were given in that situation and the knowledge that the people who put you there believe that you by yourself can completely handle this situation (laughs) that i mean that's it's it's a wild like Again, I'm thinking I'm pooping myself and shaking. <laughs> that, that's me. Like, yeah. getting the it's the training and the testing and the training that the people are given within the power armor. It's a really, really powerful thing. But man, I have to imagine that first time they look up and the snow settles and the dust clears, and you're looking down the ranks of a wall of Chinese armor. Mm-hmm. You might start doubting the the suit that you've got on there, and maybe doubting your training a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 it's I intimidating. Would, I'm sorry, go on. I was just gonna say it's an it's intimidating. So, 
Yeah, I, w- I would in that situation. I would hope that I have a, a mini nuke launcher <laughs> and some <laughs> and some ordinance to um, thin out uh, the the enemy as fast as possible. Because uh, I can imagine even being able to shrug off missiles, you get hit with enough stuff. Eventually, it's cacophonous and, and you can't get back up. You know, oh, you yeah, can't actually they, do anything. It wasn't so, uh, it wasn't foolproof. They they certainly lost people in it too. So sure, sure. But you know, just like in uh, World War One, the first time a tank shows up or the first time a machine gun shows up the enemy usually doesn't know how to how to handle it yet yeah, so there was a whole another show about tanks in world war one don't even get me started sir yeah you've, you've <laughs> got you've got the advantage of like the enemy not being aware of what this is in front of them and what it's capable of so i think you've got a little bit of that on your side but yeah i, I can completely see it being intimidating so i guess the question is what what would you do like as listener what would you what would you do in that situation how would you handle it what ordinance would you bring with you would you plan out the the situation would you just go in and say well this is this is what i got <laughs> i'm good to go the superhero you, landing in and charge right up to him or oh, right right like what do you, how do you manage that how do you feel in that situation i don't know i think it's one yeah, of those things the, that's particular to the individual oh totally and then just to expand on your what would you do and how would you prepare for it the point the, the kind of thing i brought up earlier is just try to really sit down and if you're really into these games and you're really into this lore really try to think about it in a very realistic scenario and put yourself in the mindset of that person and what that must have been you know, mm-hmm. obviously it didn't really happen but we have a lot of parallels in reality for those people in those first moment tense we don't know how this is going to go scenarios and try to paint that mental picture for yourself and the next time you're playing a fallout game and you're in there charging around in your power armor take that appreciation from putting yourself in that mindset I think you can draw on something from that if you're somebody that's really, really into the world building and really into the immersion part of these games. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do in these games is a little bit of role playing as my character. And I try to make decisions in situations the way that that my character would make those decisions. Um, That always gets me killed. So (laughs) (laughs) sometimes me too, but at least it creates a more interesting situation. I'm not just min maxing numbers, you know, Mm. I'm kind of, I'm really playing into the fiction of the world that I'm in. And there's something about that I find enjoyable. Well, I think that's a a good place to wrap things up. Um, I think so too. uh, Duke, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for having me. You know, the, the fun little rabbit trails we had with our conversation. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, you know, I, I told, before we started recording, I told you, if you need somebody to get off on a tangent, I'm your guy. So, uh, <laughs> well, great. <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad for your listeners. I hope, hope it's been good and does something different for your audience. Yeah, I think, I think they'll enjoy it. It's, you know, it's, it's nice to throw some changes in there and just see what people like. So, um, yeah, yeah hopefully you guys enjoy it. And we didn't get too much into the nitty gritty about specific, uh, power armor or like the development evolution of the different suits. Um, so we'll save that for a future episode. And, uh, you know, there's uh, like I was saying early on, there's just so much content. There's always something else we can talk about. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining me, Duke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and if people like what we're doing here and you want me to come back to do the power armor part two, I would be happy to do so. And if they never want to hear my voice again, understandable so. <laughs> that's well, I, I, I highly doubt that um but where can they get a hold of you if they if they want to tune into your show or send you a follow-up uh about this episode and some of the things no. we talked about yeah totally uh our website is out of the vault show.com or uh we are out of vault show on twitter uh you can find me streaming in the mornings monday through thursday at out of the vault show on twitch or email out of the vault show at gmail 
uh, our whole team. We have our three hosts to our show. We all see those emails, so I will definitely get it. And I do tend to run our Twitter account on a daily basis. So tweeting at us is really, really good. Email's perfect. Or we do even have a contact form on our website. If you just want to fill that out and kind of anonymously, that's fine too. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you're you very, us? you're very, very active on all, in all of those different places. Um, yeah, I, I really I try to be engaging with people and trying to get on there. You know, I started streaming not too long ago, but I've been streaming a couple hours a day, just playing 76 and having fun with it. And, um, yeah, you know, we do every, we do a new episode every other week. We're our own lore show. It's called uh, people's history of the wasteland that should be starting up this week where we're kind of marching through the timeline in a chronological order of the events and history of the Fallout universe. So we do have weekly shows as our main shows every other week. So cool. Yeah. Hope well, people come cool. check it out. And if it's not your style, that's totally fine. You know, it's not for everybody, but uh, at least give it a shot. I, mean, I think you might uh, like it if you're into Fallout 76, especially. Awesome. Awesome. And if you are trying to get a hold of me, of course, you can reach me at Fallout Lorecast on Twitter or send me an email, falloutlorecast at gmail.com. Uh, those are the easiest places to find me. Um, and similar to, to Duke, I've been streaming in the evenings starting at like nine o'clock, which is would be normally now when we're actually recording pretty late mm-hmm. uh, at twitch.tv slash falloutlorecast. I, like I mentioned in all my other episodes, I love, and I'm sure you feel the same way, Duke, just kind of hanging out with the community and having yeah. conversations while playing games with people. There's, I mean, that's just kind of the whole point of the whole thing is just, you know, connecting with other people and enjoying the things we enjoy together. There's just totally, something so yeah. cool about that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big thrust of our entire brand, if you will, is positive community interaction community building like i said earlier it's the being a positive voice and what was early on a very negative sea of commentary behind a game and just bringing people together that want to that want to play it and want to love it and not feel like they're getting attacked because they like a thing that other people don't like so that's really our that's our that's our brand that's our message awesome Awesome. Well, that's a good, a good note to head out on. I think you and I are both in very high agreement about positivity in the community. So that's great. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I hope we do get a chance to do it again sometime in the future. Awesome. Me too. And until next time, Vault Dwellers, uh, make sure to clean out your power armor (laughs) and I'll see you on the next show. Thanks so much. Later folks. Cultural database accessed. Quoting New England poet, Robert Frost. Freedom lies in being bold. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? This week in Fallout 76, uh, things have been kind of quiet on the patch front. As far as I know, they're still working on the next update and stuff that's going to come out with that. Uh, Like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, if you are looking for more information about the patch notes and all the stuff that's added in there, check out Out of the Vault. They do a really great job summarizing a lot of that that content but for me i've spent some time doing uh the daily quests trying to earn some more atoms in fallout 76 and one of the things you know what i finally broke down i made some purchases on the atom shop i decided that i had a really nice suit of combat armor that i was using most of the time because i prefer to go around sneaky mode and i only pull out the power armor when i really need it and i bought the camo version of the paint for that armor. I also have been tracking down some other mods and things for the weapons that I prefer to use, and I finally got uh, enough perks set up to be able to add on the third claw to my death claw 
uh, fist thing. I really, really love that. <laughs> it, the one I have has um, extra damage for robots, so it's particularly interesting. It's kind of tragic that I have to go around killing robots, being that I go by the name robots sometimes, but... It's been very useful in situations where I'm dealing with lots of robots to, you know, claw them down real quick because it's a medium speed. It's not like stabby, stabby, stabby fast speed, but it works pretty good. The damage bonus works great, especially when I get the that sneak. I get sneaky mode up, up on them and just get them in the butt with my death claw. Claw works pretty good. I'm having a lot of fun with that. I even had got some time this weekend to uh, play during the day on Sunday and did some Sunday daytime streaming. And um, that was a lot of fun. This week, I will most likely be on again, as usual, uh, twitch.tv slash falloutlorecast after 9 p.m. Eastern time. So, of course, you're welcome to come hang out, talk some lore or just, you know, talk about the game, run around. I've also been streaming some Elder Scrolls online. So if you're interested in that. Uh, that's something I've been diving into on some nights as well. So I'd love to hang out with you guys uh, playing that too. It's a little weird, you know, playing Elder Scrolls under the name Fallout Lorecast, but it works and it, whatever. It's all for fun. So I'm happy to see you guys whenever you want to pop in. Hello there, old chat. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Let's get the other bit of politeness taken care of, shall we? What the bloody, bloody, bloody hell are you doing here? You people are crazy. So this week we have some more new reviews on iTunes, including some international reviews, which I don't see when I log into my version of iTunes, but using uh, a different program that's able to pull everything, I can actually see our international friends and the reviews that they post, which is super cool. I didn't realize that those were not vi- visible to, to me. So um, so I'm going to call out some of these reviews as we, as we always do on the show, and I'm going to start with... And I'm pretty sure I didn't call this one out before. This is from a friend of ours from Great Britain, Masting Year. And not somebody I actually know, but, you know, podcast friend, because you listen to the show. Um, and they say, great podcast for a fan- <laughs> for a Fallout fanatic. Absolutely addicted to the podcast. Great way to learn more about my favorite game. Robot is, it's robots, plural, but that's cool. We'll overlook it. It's fine. Robot. Um, but you know what? He got this. I think those are actually zeros. R0, B0, T. So it was very close. And an ama- is an amazing host with a good way to tell stories. Keep it up. Looking forwards to seeing where it goes. Thank you so much, Masting Year. That's awesome. Uh, another one came in from Dragon Silverlight, who I'm guessing revised theirs. Uh, originally, they said, uh, I, I love this podcast and hope you do more, but they changed it to say, I hope you can do a thing on the mysterious stranger. If you do some hunting in Nick's place, you find a folder on him. Yeah, super cool. In Fallout 4, you do find a folder on the mysterious stranger. Also, I think another good look would be more info on Rivet City. Yeah, those are great topics. And we're going to get more and more into some of the, like the specific details of each of these kinds of things as the show goes on. Um, I, I love these ideas. Please keep sending these ideas for content. It may be a while before we can get into those things, but we will eventually get there because there, there's just so much to cover. And I want to go with kind of the big early stuff first and then dive deeper and deeper into specific details. So thank you again, Dragon Silverlight. Also, we got a review from Mexico, which is super cool uh, from it looks like Vinimox. It's a V1 Nimox uh, says good work. 
I follow you on Twitter. Always give my heart to all your posts. Thanks, bro. He likes all my posts on Twitter. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Venomox, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Also, we got another review from GI Gamer in the US who says, great content. I started listening to this podcast at work for something to listen to while at work. I have enjoyed all the episodes up to this point. Uh, I really like the tone of this one because it is super complimentary because they're like, I like all the episodes. And then there's the you know caveat at the end of up to this point, you better not start sucking. Uh, I'm going to try not to suck. I promise. <laughs> Thank you so much, GI Gamer. And then we have another one. And this one, I have to admit, I'm going to, I'm trying to be super honest with you guys. This one, somebody I know, he's a coworker at work. Uh, M. Corbin writes in, he's, he's also a fan of the series. So this is, this is legit. He did this on his own. He didn't, I wasn't coaxing him looking over his desk and was like, you need to review my show right now. He, uh, he writes in and says a great deep dive into the lore and knowledge behind the fallout series. The excellent commentary and research leaves me wanting more. And, uh, he's actually somebody who just jumped into fallout 76 as his first fallout game and has been loving getting, getting used to the world and all the crazy things. I think every time some new monster pops up, they not seen before he's just he's just like oh this is so cool it's been really neat seeing uh the game through the eyes of somebody who's brand new to it and doesn't have all the history um so thank you martin thank you for writing in i will uh send you a official work email saying thank you uh i guess that's a thing right all right we've only got two more um we've got one from j williams star in the u.s he writes i'm well they write um well, they're probably a he because their name is William in there. So we'll just go with that. Positive, enthusiastic. I love the positive and enthusiastic nature of this podcast. It's fun, thoughtful, and refreshing. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I will do my best to stay positive and enthusiastic. I was kind of on the nose, right? Because it was both positive and enthusiastic. Do you see what I did there? All right. So and then we have one more from, and this is probably my favorite name so far. In a review, Stabby McBride from Singapore. Very cool. Uh, they write, Stabby writes, everything you wanted to know about the Fallout, Fallout verse, but we're afraid to ask. This is a great series if you've ever played any of the Fallout games and wanted to know all about the lore. Highly, highly recommended! Exclamation mark. Keep on lore casting, Tom! Exclamation mark. Thank you, Stabby McBride. I will take that as a huge compliment, and I don't know why your name is Stabby, but I hope that uh, uh, I'm just going to be nice to you from now on, and then we won't have to find out why your name is Stabby. Thank you so much, everybody who writes in. This is super amazing. You guys keep on dropping these reviews. I really, really appreciate it. And um, if you like this episode that we just did, where we have an extra guest on and we kind of talk back and forth about some of the some of the th things detail in the lore, please let me know if that's something you want more of. Um, it's not ever going to be the main content. I will almost always stick to the regular format where it's just me most of the time. But some weeks, you know, mixing it up could be fun. So if it's something you guys like, I'm totally open to it. Just let me know what you think. And as usual, you guys can always reach out to me on Twitter at Fallout Lorecast. Uh, you can send me an email, falloutlorecast at gmail.com. Um, or you can leave reviews on iTunes, anywhere else. And um, also, 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 if you 
do love the show. If you really, really are enjoying what I'm doing, the biggest compliment you can give me other than leaving like reviews on iTunes, which is super helpful because it gets people aware of the show and makes them want to say, Hey, I'll try this out is to go talk to your friends, talk to people, you know, in person and say, Hey, I found this really awesome podcast. I really like it. I think you would like it to download it and give it a try. Um, that's the biggest thing you could possibly do. Word of mouth means so much and it, it, you know, expanding an audience always works best as, as word of mouth. I could advertise until the cows come home, but that's not going to reach out to people the same way. Um, it also would cost a lot more money. So I highly appreciate your help getting this out there and getting people to tune in. You guys are amazing. This community is awesome. And uh, as I've mentioned before, I would love to see more of you guys hanging out with me, uh, streaming games and just chatting about lore stuff. Um, Every time people come, someone comes and hangs out in the stream and we have a conversation, it's just the best. I just really like getting to know you guys personally. And for me, that is the highlight of all of this is uh, learning about each of you and your personalities and the things that you are really into. So I've rambled on enough. I, I go on and on about how awesome you guys are every to every show. And I hope you're not tired of hearing it because I'm going to keep saying it because it's true. So I will see you guys again next time. Um, look out for the other episodes that are coming out. We should have another mini sode out soon. And otherwise the show next week will be back to our regular format as far as I'm planning right now. And I've got another, uh, you know, cross podcast thing going on pretty soon. Um, more news about that in the future. All right. Talk to you guys later. And as always keep your rad roaches out of the kitchen. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.